The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. They're tangling in the back of the pack. Here they come on four. Down to the strike. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroote was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers download. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be? Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? Where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. Presented by Crosley. Amplify your style. Here are your hosts, Taylor Burris and Justin Prince. Welcome to another episode of the iRacers Download, presented by Crosley Radio on the Speedsport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio, and on NASCAR Digital Media. I'm your host, Taylor Burris. Alongside me, Justin Prince will join us a little later on. Our producer, Richard Colbreff, as we have a very special guest joining us. We have two guests joining us, of course. From the Michelin Pilot Challenge, joining us here today is Tyler Maxson, driver for Brian Herta Autosports in the Hyundai Elantra, joining us in competing in the TCR category. And then winner from the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series at Bristol Motor Speedway, the dirt track, it is none other than Nick Ottinger from William Byron Esports. Two very great champions joining us here tonight on this episode. And we start off with Tyler Maxson, who has joined us here. Tyler, welcome to the iRacers Download. We've been trying to get you on for a while. We finally were able to get a hold of you here today. First and foremost, how have you been doing? Yeah, I've been doing good. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah. Well, let's get things started, of course. You have been involved with motor racing and iRacing for quite some time. Tell us when you got involved and what wanted you to become involved with motor racing. Yeah, so I think I started karting uh, back when I was six. So uh, it'll probably 11, 11 years now. Um, I did karting for a long time, karted uh, internationally as well as all over the United States. Um, and then kind of whenever I was, I think it was end of 2018, uh, when I was just before my 14th birthday, um, we, we decided we wanted to go up to cars. We decided we wanted to, to move on. And, uh, you know, karting was one of those things that it was, a not a been there, done that, but it wasn't as much of a challenge as it used to be. And we just wanted to move on and do something new. We wanted to challenge ourselves, um, in a new way. And cars was the next step for that. So at the end of 2018, we started testing um, Spec Miatas as well as uh, the Global MX-5 Cup car. Um, and I campaigned that in 2019. Uh, initially, we were doing two separate, pro we were doing two programs in 19. We did uh, MX-5 Cup as well as SRO and TC America in the TCA class. Um, and there was like one of the, it was one of those things where they had conflicting weekends towards the end of the schedules. So we could do a good crack at both of them at the beginning and kind of see which one we were doing better in, um, and could focus on at the end of the year. And that happened to be the, the SRO season, uh, where we were either, I think we were second in the points by the midway point. So we decided to focus on that hardcore. Um, and that was, that was the right choice. Um, we had a, we had a hard year in 19. That was a, a really close year. I think it was me and Nick Whitmer uh, fought for the championship that year, and we ended up getting the championship. But that was kind of my racing career up until 2020. 
you know, of course, you have competed with a couple, multiple championships in TCR competition. Of course, picking up two in SRO in 2019 as well as 2020. Made the jump over to IMSA, of course, in later on in 20 end of 2020, early into 2021, and have been a part of working with the Hyundai brand, of course, competing with first the Velocitor and now working with the Elantra. As you progressed into this different form of motor racing, especially with IMSA, what would you say be the difference between those two styles of series, between the SRO and IMSA competition? Yeah, definitely the endurance aspect. It's, I mean, in SRO, we were running maximum of 45-minute races, and then in IMSA, you throw in, I mean, whole new ball games with the pit stops and endurance races. I mean, the cars, a 45-minute race to a two-hour race, isn't that much longer in duration. It's only an hour, another hour and 15 minutes, but it is so much more difficult with just tire management, with managing fuel strategy. I mean, there's just so many more elements that go into an IMSA race than a sprint race. And it, and that's what makes it so challenging. And that's why we were so drawn to IMSA in the competition over there. It's just next to none. I mean, it is so difficult to win in the IMSA series because there's just the, the strength of field is so high over there. There's so many cars that can come in on a given weekend and win. So that's why we were kind of drawn over there. And that's the biggest difference between the two is just how long those races are and how difficult they are to to manage. Well, if you notice that, we've seen you compete this season so far in 2022. Two pole positions, both at Daytona and Sebring. A ninth place finish at Daytona, and of course, unfortunately, a hard hit for your teammate at Sebring. But we look ahead, of course, to the next round at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. Uh, your thoughts on how the car has been, especially now switching from the Velocitor, which you're so used to, to a different Hyundai brand with the Elantra, and of course, working with a powerhouse team such as Brian Herta. Yeah, I mean, the switch to Brian Herta Autosports just been amazing this year. The guys over there work so hard, and they are such a top-notch organization. I mean, I cannot say enough good things about them. They are just the best. I mean, so amazing to work with. Um, and there's a there's a reason why they've won the championships that they've won these last few years in IMSA. They just they really are awesome to work with. But like you said, changing this year from the Veloster to the Elantra, that was... It was a fluid change, you know, honestly, the Hyundai did such a good job in developing both the Veloster and in the Elantra, but they really took the driver's feedback from the Veloster and implemented that into the Elantra. And it really is just a driver's car. It's amazing. It's, it's been a learning curve, um, not only for myself, but also for my teammate and our engineer, just trying to get our heads around the car. But I think we made really big strides going into, into Sebring. And I really think that we had a car to compete for a win there. Unfortunately, we, we had the incident about the halfway point, but I really think that Sebring, we had a really good car. I think at Daytona, we had a good car as well um, until we had the, the problems with about an hour and 20 minutes to go. But I think we've had good cars in both races of the season. We just kind of got to get the luck on our side a little bit to be able to put it all together. Certainly is. And we hope everything continues to go upwards for you for the rest of the season. But switching over from reality to virtual, when did you start getting involved with iRacing? I think I got involved with iRacing at the end of 2017. Um, it was one of those things I was still karting. I just wanted something else to do. And, you know, it's just in between the races and whatever else. And I heard heard about iRacing, got to try it on a on a friend's simulator and uh, and decided, hey, this seems like a fun thing to do. And really, I didn't do a whole lot with it originally. Initially, like I did a couple of a couple of races here and there. Nothing, nothing super serious, just 
one or two raises. Then in kind of at the end of 2018 is when I really got into it. Um, I really started driving and just started exploring different disciplines and things like that. Um, and, and then I started realizing as I transitioned into cars that how much of a training tool it could be. Um, and that's when I really started picking up, um, on the amount of sim racing I was doing and the amount of driving per week. And I, I've gotten to a point now where I think I probably am on the sim a good 10 hours a week, just preparing for different races and driving as many different types of cars, as many different tracks as I possibly can, just to kind of stay as sharp as I can uh, in between the races and just constantly be logging laps at different tracks on different types of cars just to keep myself so race ready and keep myself up on everything so that I'm constantly improving and can I can work on new techniques and things like that because we get very limited testing in the real world. So having a tool that's as powerful as iRacing is really helpful. Well, not only are you a driver, but you also like to work behind the scenes when it comes to production work with iRacing, both working with the iRacing official broadcast team and RaceBot broadcast team. What interests you in wanting to get involved with production side of these broadcasts with iRacing? Yeah, so it, it, that all kind of started in, I believe it was early 2019, end of 2018, I believe, early 2019. Um, I, could, I think that's about when it was. It was about something around there. Um, and I originally just started commentating because I thought it would be fun. I thought I would enjoy it and kind of realized at that point, um, probably, I think it was early, it was probably early 2020. I realized the commentary just wasn't so much for me. Um, and I wanted to kind of more focus on production. I had been doing production for, for a little bit at that point, um, as well as the commentary, but it certainly wasn't my main thing. Um, but I was just, I kind of got drawn more to the production side of it. So I figured, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take this up and try to do this as my sole gig and, uh, and kind of leave the commentary behind. And that, so that's what I did. And I really started at the beginning of 2020, just before the pandemic, um, happened, um, really focusing on, on production. And that's when also at the end, I believe it was the end of 2019 that I got involved with the race spot guys. I really started doing some production work for them at the beginning of 2020. And that's when it really kicked off for me on the production side. And of course you have been working with the production side. You have worked in series such as of course the NASCAR competition production side, Porsche attack warrior production side, and so many other more. In fact, just not long ago, as we're recording this on April 14th on a Thursday, me and you just got done with the return of a special iRacing broadcast, the iRacing Happy Hour, utilizing, of course, the Michelin Pilot Challenge iRacing official series and, of course, the official NASCAR iRacing series C fixed series trucks at Bristol and Long Beach. I gotta say, though, for someone who hasn't been broadcasting commentary for a while, Tyler, you did one beautiful job. Yeah, thank you. It was a lot of fun. That was uh, definitely a challenge. So, like you said, it's been a long time. I think it. I think that that was almost two years to, two years and one month, um, from the last time that I had done any sort of commentary. It certainly was a blast. And as we come to a close on this interview, Tyler, of course, everyone's also talking about the new TCR cars that was added recently. Of course, the Hyundai Elantra and the Hyundai Velocitor. And with you working with Brian Herta Autosports, as well as with iRacing, you kind of had a hand, at least with the Velocitor, when it came on board in the iRacing this past season build in 2022 season two. Uh, talk to us a little bit how that helped to where iRacing 
can get those types of contents added on to the iRacing service. Yeah, that was a really cool opportunity. I kind of got added into the whole the fold just before the Elantra uh, came out at the what was it at the end of twenty one? I think it was. Um, and then whenever they started the Veloster development, kind of into January, I was involved with that. And honestly, they did such a good job right from the get go. I mean, I don't I don't really think that there was much that they had wrong even from the get go. And it was just a lot of from their their team doing a lot of the bug testing. But it was it's really cool and it's really awesome to to have those cars in iRacing because. It gives me and some of my co-drivers and my teammates the ability to get in the sim, do some laps before we ever go, and me and my teammate will jump in together and we'll do a bit of practice uh, before we even show up to the racetrack so we can kind of get an idea of just lines and breaking points and things like that and just get ourselves re-familiarized with the track because in a lot of these cases, we only go to the track once a year. So having a tool like iRace and to be able to go in practice and be able to run together is is really nice it certainly is a definite benefit to utilize well tyler before we let you go where can people go to follow you your team of course at brian hardo autosports and where they can keep track of you for the next time you're out on the racetrack yeah so you can uh, go to my website tylermaxonracing.com and also instagram and facebook at tylermaxonracing and then twitter is tylermaxonrace well, Tyler, we look forward to seeing you at the next round of the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. Hopefully, you can go for three in a row on the polls, but maybe try to get that first win of the season with Brian Herta. We look forward to seeing you compete the next time you guys go out. But for that, thank you so much for coming on the iRacers download. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Of course, that is Tyler Maxson from the Michelin Pilot Challenge. Coming up after the break, it will be the news of the week. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. Taylor Burris here, back with Justin Prince and our producer Richard Colbreth, as we just wrapped up with Tyler Max and Justin, and now go on to the news of the week in a very news-filled week when it comes to the competition side of iRacing, as we have eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, the Porsche Tag Warrior eSports Super Cup, and the Skip Barber iRacing Series as well. Let's kick things off, though, with all things Porsche, as the Porsche Tag Warrior eSports Super Cup was at Montreal, and it was none other than Dane Warren, who was able to take a breath breakthrough first career victory there in a stunner in the feature race. Well, it shouldn't be surprising when it comes to Montreal to be able to see a stunner of a run. This is a racetrack that's very tight, but also brings plenty of exciting racing, no matter the type of action at its circuit virtually. The interesting thing when it comes to Dane Warren is he led all the laps, but he had to fight for it especially with Salvatore on his rear end for much of that race throughout the feature. You also throw in drivers like Diego Pinto, who kept us consistency with third in the feature race to help with the championship fight, along with drivers like Maximilian Benecki and Ken Minellis Jr., two veterans being able to score good victories. Those were pretty big when it came to that mark. Don't forget, though, that the championship took some interesting turns as a result of that round, Sebastian Job, who had that huge charge to get himself within 30 or so points, slipped back a fair bit to where he's 29 back third in the standings because of Ellis Jr. speed at Montreal. It certainly was, and it was very exciting to see some of those drivers go at it. I mean, of course, if you look at someone like Diego Pinto, who has been just a 
echelons of Mr. Consistency, ablement to stay up in within the points, taking home those strong points finishes. That's what has been able to give him the chance of staying up at the front of the field since pretty much the beginning of the season. And of course, for Dane Warren, that moves him up a little bit further in the championship to eighth position, really out of contention maybe for winning the championship at this point in time, but still overall a strong performance by the Coanda team as well as seeing what the other competitors were able to work out through. Kevin Ellis Jr., though, has a lot of work, though, if he wants to try and go for another title. I think right now it's Pinto's title to lose because of how quick he's been throughout the campaign and how consistent he's been in his finishes and consistency wins championships, right? That's the critical thing when it comes to him. And many of the drivers this season, they've gone back and forth where they've ran at the front, then ran to the back, ran to the front, then ran to the back, ran to the front, then ran to the block, back, and so forth, or vice versa. It's not been an easy campaign. It's been like a roller coaster more than anything. But now if you want to win this title, it's been made clear. You need to continuously finish top three, if not better, outscore Pinto if you want to truly win this championship this year. You certainly have to. And of course, the next round of the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup heads once again back over to Europe to Belgium as we head to Circuit de Spa-Franco Champs. Catch the action with the All-Stars kicking off at 1.30 p.m. And then the pros had battle it out at 3 p.m. on April 23rd. So catch all the action on all of iRacing and Porsche's streaming services. From the world of sports car racing, as far as all things Porsche, we go to the open-wheeled world as we see a very strong race as Busa and Gade split the two victories for the Skip Barber Formula iRacing Series at Laguna Seca. And an E-NASCAR Coca-Cola driver takes finally victory at the Skip Barber Racing School with winning the race after leading 11 laps during the event. Matt Busa holds off Gade once again in a strong fight to the finish by over a tenth. I believe you're referring to Miguel Gard. Indeed, he's been quick throughout the campaign when it comes to Miguel. And there's a reason it was talked about the last episode in particular. He's become one of the major favorites with this speed as well as for Elvis Rankin. But I think it was... A big positive when it comes to Matt Busa. I remember seeing him talk about that victory on social media and being extremely pumped up to break through because he had top five pace for a majority of the runs entering that respective round. It was just the difficult thing of finishing out the race. And while he did have a incident in the second race after leading the opening laps of race two on the day, I think Matt Busa... Definitely is going to be happy to be able to have this type of a victory on a road course in particular. It wasn't an easy day, to say the very least, though, for many of the drivers, because as we both know, what the Tech Raceway with Guinnesseca can be a roller coaster to deal with. And I'm not just talking about because of the corkscrew, corkscrew, I should say. No, it's certainly not. It's a track that will test the limits of every driver. And it's one of those tracks where if you want to get in the world of sports car racing, road course racing, open wheel, that's a track that you have to master because that is a track where all of the major road racing series go to compete at because of such historical value and racing's capabilities that that track possesses. And it's actually one of the first tracks in iRacing that you have to get used to racing because of how demanding and popular that circuit is. I think you hit it on the head because of the demand there. You need to be able to know exactly the lines you need to take. You make one mistake at any part of the racetrack, you're going spinning. The corkscrew, you don't have that exact marker down. In some cases, 
Some broadcasters describe it as a sorting tree, or others will know the exact flow and rhythm you need to have. Your car's going flying somewhere in towards the sand trap or towards the very edge of the track, the next portion of the circuit. The run to, out of the final corner. You hit the gas too hard. You go too wide on the corner exit. That car's running into the one of the inside walls. You have a dive bomb to the inside of the Andretti hairpin, for example. You end up going flying. Or if you outbreak yourself, it leads to absolute heartbreak. It's the type of racetrack where if you do this type of action, you need to be able to know exactly the rhythm and flow. And it's worth noting when it comes to Matt Busa in that second race. We mentioned the couple laps led to begin the action. He immediately fell in behind and lost the momentum in the second race in particular, dropped to third in one lap after a dive from Miguel Guard, and immediately started to lose those marks he was having originally and fell off. And that's the tough thing. You have that moment where you lose those marks, lose your focus, fall apart when it comes to that run, it leads to bad things on the racetrack. But I think in turn, when it comes to this type of event, a lot of drivers are showcasing. They are multifaceted, even under the radar, multifaceted in their talents. They certainly are. And of course, the next round of the Skip Barber Formula I Racing Series heads to Road America. Time attacks are currently going on right now. So if you are wanting to get a chance to go and race in it, may not be able to have a chance to win the championship, but there is still other great prizes like we had talked to Bobby Krug last week from the Skip Barber Racing School about that. Make sure to go and try to run those lap times. Try to see if you have what it takes to go race the open top split event on Sunday at 3 p.m. and catch all the action on all of iRacing streaming services. One more road coursing news to cover. Of course, none other than a special event happened the last time we were out. The Nürburgring 24, the special event of the 24-hour endurance race at the Green Hell itself. Justin, me and you had a little bit of a fun, interesting stint during our time at the late night hours of the race. But when we left, it was, of course, the VRS Coanda SimSport team leading for quite a good bit of the race. But when the checkered flag end, it was Team BMW Bank with Valestio Belasiosis, Philip Deans, Kay Kasovic, and, of course, BMW factory driver Bruno Spangler, who took the overall win as well as the GT3 class win in the Nürburgring 24-hour top split event. We talked about this in particular during the broadcast that night, where if you made one mistake, it would end up potentially destroying your race. And that's the tough thing when it comes to the Nürburgring. It's a track that is extremely punishing, extremely difficult. One where if you end up sliding off the circuit at any point, it can end up potentially leading to massive damage. And several of the top drivers in the standings, mind you, in all the classes even, had at one point... A driver spin them out, lose them 10 seconds. A slam into the arm code barrier. Have a minute and a half in some cases, require damage repair, and still come back to finish top five in the group. But you have to remember, it really fell apart in the final four and a half hours when it came to Rio Escobar Simsport and their number eight slash yes slash 80 car, where Mac Backham was looking nice and smooth, leading by more than four minutes, mind you. And then he demolishes the car at one of the longest parts of the racetrack far away from the pit lane that absolutely destroys the race. It can just change at a split second if you just lose your focus even that one moment. 
it's certainly can and it's very critical for a track like that with a couple of other of the class winners that competed during the Nurburgring in the Porsche GT3 Cup class it was Kova 707 who won the class with Valtteri Allander, Lacey Urian, Tomas Tahili and Matt Spiela who took home the Porsche Cup class win in the GT4 category utilizing the BMW and the Aston Martin it was BMW who took home the overall GT4 class win with Urano Esports with Nicholas Laubisch, Konstantin Scharf, Ole Stonbeaten, and Sebastian Schlembach, who took home that class, ending the touring car category, utilizing the Audi TCR and the Hyundai Velocitor. It was Team Hoisingfield who took home the win, Team Hoisingfield 404, with a massive six-driver entry. We won't go through all of them, but I know for a fact Patrick Kumbinji was one of the strong drivers for that team who put in a massive effort during our stint of the Nürburgring 24, Justin, which, by the way, I had to say, exciting opportunity for both of us calling that event during the 10 to 11, almost 1 o'clock in the morning during our stint. But we both had a good time, had a talk, basically treated it like a iRacers download Nürburgring special almost. Yeah, we talked a lot about when it comes to some of the road course sites, some of the iRacing developments, some of the team developments in particular. The interesting thing, I think, when it came to that Part of the broadcast, though, was that was when Team Hoichenfeld was really starting to put the pedal to the rest of the pack because everything else seemed to fall apart in that touring car class in particular. Team Hoichenfeld at one point was like 20, 30 seconds back, top five around that mark, around the first half of the race. Majors Garage FSR was 1-2. Then the attrition built up. One of the cars got spun around. Both of them, one of them actually finished at the DNF and with Miguel Garcia as their final dropper, 134 laps down. Their other car finished one lap down despite being dominant so early with one of the top drivers in that respective class in the service. That just is the way it can go over the time of 24 hours. And I found it really in particular intriguing, the storylines when it came to, the, when it comes to Nicholas Lobish and his respective side, that in regards to the speed showcase from the, I think it was the GT4s that I'm thinking of. Yes, indeed. Where that race class winning car got spun around during the collapse of the RAG Esports group and took the lead back within 30 minutes. And that just showed the raw pace and the amount of growth and development for that respective group to finally win at this high level in one of the biggest wins in team history. And that's the big thing. You want to win a Grand Slam, especially a VCO Grand Slam. And some of the drivers really turned out and turned up the wick to do it. It certainly is. Of course, the next special event on iRacing is going to be the iRacing Indy 500, a two-weekend extravaganza, one for both fixed and open setups. And starting off May 13th through the 15th is the iRacing Fixed Setup Indy 500. And then May 20th through the 22nd is the iRacing Indianapolis 500, utilizing the Delara IR18. Of course, the next VCO Grand Slam Championship is going to be at the iRacing Watkins Glen six-hour event utilizing the LMP2 and GT3 spec machines on the iRacing service. Catch all the action on RaceSpot and wherever you enjoy all things iRacing. With that, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we sit down with 2020 eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series champion and winner at the Bristol Motor Speedway as we got down and dirty with Nick Ottinger. 
Welcome back to the iRacers download on the Speedsport Podcast Network presented by Crosshue Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. My name is Justin Prince alongside me Taylor Burris along with our producer Richard Colbreth. It's time to change gears and play a bit in the dirt, eNASCAR style, as the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series went to Bristol Motor Speedway for its first ever dirt race to see how drivers would fare out slinging it through the clay. Bristol Motor Speedway brought many potential opportunities to make upsets, but one driver who's had a bit of a resume when it comes to championship competition was the one who pulled away with the victory. Nick Oninger of William Byron Esports joins us on the iRacers download. Nick, big time victory at the dirt track at Bristol. First of all, now with a few time, days to be able to reflect your thoughts on what happened that night to be able to come away with the victory, especially pulling away late. Ah, it's just a you know a really good preparation by our team, our Logitech G and William Byron Esports team. So, you know, anytime you can kind of go into a race and have a really good prep work for what the track's going to transition like, and that was the big unknown was how the track was going to transition with having 120 laps, you know, a feature. So all we had to do is just kind of position ourselves in the heat and make sure we are in contention to stay in the you know first three to four rows. And that's what I learned a lot with our elite performance industry, guys, is just make sure you're up near the front trying to at least contend. And then if you have a good working car, just battle those, you know, battle with those strengths and, you know, it'll come to you. So luckily for our Logitech G team and, you know, when by an eSports team, it was a, you know, it was a very good day, obviously, being able to win. There's no, no better feeling than getting a win with, you know, all the supporters we have. And, you know, something that nobody expected, you know, our 25 team to actually be efficient and be pretty good at dirt. But, you know, I worked in the off season with the elite performance industry guys that we had on the car for this race. And I circled on the calendar. It's like, you know, this is one I wanted to win, you know, for for William, obviously, too. But for everyone on the, you know, our, that supporting us, too. So just worked in the off season and, it you know, it paid off. Let's talk a little bit about the race in of itself, because at first it seemed like a Graham Boland type of night because he had led the most laps in the feature race, 68 of the 120 completed in what was a caution filled night. What did you have to try to adjust as the night went on and you started picking up on possibly the amount of attrition that was coming into play with a lot of the competitors in the pack where some of the drivers mentioned they were driving with motor damage from lap two back there? Yeah, so, I mean, I've done a lot of studying when the the first heat started. Like, I knew Graham pulled away, and I knew his teammate, who was most likely on the same setup, you know, being a dead zone racing teammate, Stephen Wilson, how efficient they were when, you know, the it really had no laps on the track. And I could tell how, you know, straight their car was and how they weren't really setting the car in the center, center portion of the track. So, um you know, the, the the attrition, like you said, it was it was there. You know, we knew we were going to have cautions. We didn't know how many we were going to have. I mean, you know, you go into every race wanting the least amount of cautions as possible just so you can kind of get the race over and done with. But, you know, it was a very unique, unique experience. You know, the track changed, you know, dynamically quite a bit, and that's something we've really enjoyed, you know, that, you know, Tuesday night. You know, the track changed dynamically. You know, we, you don't want to give all your secrets away when you're driving dirt, and that's one thing that the elite guys told me. You don't want to give, you know, your secrets away, and even some of our own guys that are dirt specialists on Team Conti and, you know, the, the Team Alliance we're, we're on. So it's it's just something that's never, never 
you know, really perfect set in stone. You know, you could change lap to lap, and, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I think that was a real struggle point for a lot of guys. You know, they, they would just run the same exact line, the same approach going into the corners, same set, set in the car at the same points, and just, it, when you do that, I mean, it's real hard to have a lot of, you know, consistency out of what you're trying to look for when the track just cons- consistently changes. You mentioned the keyword too on top of things with that partnership because remember you trying to learn about running on the dirt in particular with the dirt late models, I think it was, as far back as December. And it was noted on social media when I brought up that in that preparation from back then, you were picking up a fair bit of victory by the time the preparation had to start for the Coke series once things were set in stone for the Speedway side. How big was that preparation to work with Tower Payne and his crew, as well as the entire dirt side, which brought a couple of drivers to the pro level, mind you, to be able to get yourself prepared to execute like you did that night? Yeah, it was super imperative, you know, super important, super, you know, efficient too. Uh, I mean, they had a, they, Elite Performance Industries has a great, you know, partnership with a lot of dirt guys, like you just mentioned. But it also extends to what knowledge they have. And it's, you know, in the way of, you know, they would always talk about how the, the track would obviously change, but also just understanding where to, you know, stay away from the blue stuff or when the time to go to the blue stuff and, you know, stuff of that nature. So they gave me a lot of terminology to kind of keep them in the back pocket to just kind of study. And, you know, this car was different than a late model that those you know, elite guys are really accustomed to. So, like, all you're doing is battling for your momentum. And that, that was a really big point they, they talked about. So, I mean, it was really imperative for Tyler Payne. And, you know, I just I was re- very appreciative of them coming on board our William Byron Esports team, first and foremost, because, I mean, it's a, uh, you know, they, they offer so many services, you know, coaching and just a, a great community to, you know, share our racing with. So, you know, when you kind of have a partnership like that, that just comes straight on and we we had the success we had. I mean, you can't you can't really ask for anything better than what we did and achieved with our team. It seemed that way. And it was intriguing, too, with how things started off from the get go, because through that side, of course, Michael Conti having a lot of experience with the next gen car during the various builds coming into this year. It seemed to transition for you in the qualifying side, but for Conti on the race side, what was that tug of war? like so to speak where you were having rocket man 2022 edition and then you had michael conti take the victories yeah i mean it's you know he has a lot of experience in this car and there's nothing wrong with that because you you rely and lean towards that knowledge and you know me and mikey have had a man i would say almost a decade long I would say more than a decade long relationship of, you know, big competitors. And it's a big reason why we work so well together because we know what buttons to push for each other and how to, you know, really get a hundred percent out of each other. So, you know, for qualifying side of the stuff, it worked out You know, it's been working out for us. We had one qualifying result outside the top, top five. And that was me just missing my mark a little bit, you know, at Richmond in turn three. So, you know, we've had a really strong cars and, you know, Mikey's been really good race pace wise. So we've been able to keep up with him. Um, and we're, you know, we're just a adjustment or two away from being able to contend with Mikey at every step of the way to end these races. But, you know, when you have a teammate pushing you like that and you have a really good, you know, friend that, you know, is pushing you for the right reasons, it's, 
you know, you can't be mad whenever you kind of lose at a guy, but, you know, you still want to go out there and kind of beat every competitor out there. Talk to us a little bit, Nick. This season, we were, a lot of people were expecting some of the new up-and-coming rookies to come in and absolutely put a great performance on, but it seems like that that's not actually the case, and it's actually some of the veterans who have been able to showcase their talent, especially back when it was some of the older-style Gen 6 cars, what do you think the difference is? We talked to Michael Conti, speaking of which, about that, and he says the next-gen car has a similar feel like it was to the original Gen 6 car. Uh, do you possibly feel like that's the same thing that you feel about how the older talent, some of the veterans of the sport, been able to keep pace and be better performers compared to the rookies? I think there's some credibility towards it, but, you know, you got to look at... You know, everyone's on the same level playing field, you know, for this this year. I mean, Mikey had a little bit more prep time for at least driving the nuances of the car. But, you know, he was still on the same, you know, platform that we we had to start on, our same foundation. So, you know, when you, when you go back into looking at the veterans and rookie side of, you know, the arguments and stuff like that, like the rookies have their strengths, you know. A lot of the rookies, like when Grant Boland came into the series, he had a really good strength of being just overall race pace being really, his raw race pace being pretty good. And then having to learn a little bit of, you know, not necessarily just racing etiquette, but racecraft kind of translated into making it even more, him even more quicker. So I think it goes hand in hand this year. A lot of those guys are have really good raw pace but they are lacking a little bit more in the race craft and when the time, you know, different maneuvers and learning situational awareness. So um, to where in this car, it's you're having more mental focus towards driving a car compared to, you know, the way Genesis was last year and having to really time your inputs and learning how to shape corners and stuff like that a little bit differently. So, you know, to that degree and that, that credibility that we talked about, it's it's having a little bit more experience towards, you know, I would say earlier iterations of different cars and, you know, translating that to what we have this year. So, you know, I enjoy this car. I'm enjoying, enjoying the way they are working towards, you know, giving us a really good product at iRacing and, you know, if I would say an efficient product, but also something that, you know, so close to the to Gen 7 car that we have. So I always talk to William every, I would say almost every other day to, you know, weekly on, you know, how the how the race was for him to see what I can kind of learn to what he looks for in the nuances of his, you know, the World Cup car compared to what I look for. So there's always a, a gap to bridge and, you know, our communication. And to some degree, that goes also a bridge between the, the veteran and rookie, you know, debate all the time. So there's always a bridge that rookies need to learn and there's always a bridge that the veterans need to learn. So. Well, as we come to a close on this interview, Nick, where can people keep up with all your work that you do with both, you know, yourself with, of course, Team Conti, as well as also with William Byron Esports and Logitech? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm very interactive on social media. I mean, we have a lot of we have a lot of supporters out there, and uh, I'm very appreciative of those supporters. So you guys can probably, you know, see me on Instagram, Nick, under, or Nick Ottinger underscore and nick underscore ottinger on twitch i do stream my races do stream my you know coke series races and we alluded to this before like with the elite performance guys i stream my dirt stuff that helped me prepare for this you know through the off season you know in december so you know i'm very interactive on that stuff and you know if you guys want to check out elite performance industries you can go to raceepi.com and see what they're about and you know i'm just very glad to 
you know, I promised a couple of weeks ago that we're going to get TSM back in victory lane, and I'm very glad we got TSM back back in victory lane. But, you know, this time it's even more important. We're to the playoffs. You know, we're going to keep our momentum up and, you know, hopefully just keep what we're doing and qualifying good and racing good. It certainly is. Well, we thank you for your time, Nick, as you join us here. Of course, that is the winner at the Bristol Dirt Race. Nick Ottinger joins us. And Justin, I got to say, it's been pretty an exciting race at the Bristol Dirt Race. Very chaotic, like we touched with Nick, but a lot of things still to come. And with that, that actually moves Nick Ottinger up into the points lead by just two points over Stephen Wilson. And more importantly, with the victory, helps him into the wards, the playoff positioning for what was a big-time win with how close he had been the previous weeks in some of the speedways. The top five, keep in mind, Nick Oninger, Stephen Wilson, a former pro in the, in the iRacing World of Outlaws, in the late models, Graham Bolin, as mentioned, led the most laps, had significant damage in the later stages, Blake Reynolds, once again, quietly top five, Mitchell DeYoung, who is a former medalist in the X Games, mind you, top five. So, not too many surprises, so to speak, because a lot of the drivers who had dirt experience, not surprisingly, finished inside the top 10. Just about everybody in there at least had some preparation and or some world championship experience when it came to the dirt racing, Taylor. It certainly did, and it came out a lot, especially for some of those drivers. But it was just a mixed group of drivers who had experience and those who didn't have a whole lot of experience who had to go and work towards that goal. But for some, it was definitely a night where they wanted to scratch off and move on to the next round, which, speaking of the next round, the next round we head to the Dover Motor Speedway as we get ready to go there after a one-year absence back in 2021. Coverage begins at April 26th on Tuesday at 8.30 with Countdown to Green, with the race kicking off at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Catch all the action on iRacing and NASCAR streaming services. Well, Justin, with that, it is time that we come to a close of another episode of the iRacer Download. We thank our two special guests, Tyler Maxson and Nick Ottinger, and, of course, our producer, Richard Colbreth, my co-host, Justin Prince. We thank you for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. 